mother. But it was always her schedule, her demands. Trevor, his brother, was never late. Girl, before I get home. Let him go, he thought. And maybe I'll go too. Maybe I won't be home when you come home. Maybe it's time I lived my own life. He got himself ready to leave. He packed his things, some clothes, some food, some money, mom's money. And when the door of his house shut behind him, there was freedom on his mind. A world out there to see and explore. Now, he could do whatever he felt like doing. Go wherever he felt like going. Be whoever he felt like being. his freedom by living without restraint and soon he was not free when the rains came he had no shelter and he soon discovered he had no bike either And the journey home took many hours. It had been two days since he'd left home. And he wondered for the first time if his mother might be worried about him. If she might be scared herself. He wondered if she would be glad to see him. Maybe his mom would be waiting for him at the door. Maybe she would be waiting for him on the front steps. his mom had not even noticed that he had gone.
And so Troy sat on the front steps and waited for her to come home. When you guys came in, you were handed a program. I just want to point out the blue PR sheet in there. If you could find that and just get it out and have it handy. Take some time while I'm up here to fill out the front if you haven't had a chance to do that yet. We would appreciate you doing that. Today we're kicking off a brand new series on forgiveness. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. Now, without Jesus, there would be no ultimate forgiveness. And without this ultimate forgiveness that we receive from God, it would be impossible for us to forgive ourselves. It would be impossible for us to forgive others. And it would be impossible for us to live within the freedom that forgiveness offers to us, all of which we're going to discuss over the next few weeks during this message series together. Now, nobody wants to admit that they need forgiveness, but forgiveness is a universal need. There's something inside of us that cries out for the need to have forgiveness from our Creator. Now, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is the ultimate conclusion of God's plan to offer forgiveness to us and to wipe the slate clean, enabling all of this to happen. But what happens is when we have a faulty understanding of forgiveness, it will lead to things like bitterness, like division, fear, disappointment and unhappiness, even a sense of abandonment sometimes. And without forgiveness, there is no hope for reconciliation in our lives between us and other people and ultimately between us and God. Yet at the same time, there is great power in forgiveness when we are able to grasp this. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us when we seek forgiveness and when we offer forgiveness. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says this. It says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. So that power that raised Jesus from the dead enables us to have forgiveness in our life. Finding forgiveness is the key to having power in our life, to have powerful living. So we're going to explore, over the next few weeks, we're going to explore three levels of forgiveness. And I want to look at these real quickly, just kind of give you a summary of these, and then we'll look into them in more depth in the coming weeks. But the, we'll start with number three. Okay, we'll, we'll count down. We'll go, we'll go backwards. The third level of forgiveness, and this is on your listening guide, the basic level of forgiveness is forgiving myself. It's to forgive myself. We carry baggage around, don't we? We have this baggage in our life. We have to learn how to forgive ourselves in order to get rid of that. And since this is, you know, this, this basic issue here, this is so important, we're going to spend all next Sunday on this one right here, on how, how do we forgive ourselves? 
How do we do this? This basic level of forgiveness. Then the second level is forgiving others. A lot of people think this is the ultimate level of forgiveness right here because it is so stinking hard to forgive other people sometimes. And we just rather slap them upside the head or kick them or slash their tires or do something to them rather than forgive them. We have experienced that pain. We've experienced the hurt that that can bring to us. So in two weeks from today, we're going to talk about how you forgive others. We're going to go into more depth into that. But the ultimate level of forgiveness is this. It's the forgiveness that we have to receive from God. Levels three and levels two, that's a forgiveness that we offer. We offer forgiveness to ourselves. We offer forgiveness to other people. But this ultimate level of forgiveness, this one right here, is the level in which we are on the receiving end. We receive this forgiveness. And the reason it is so hard a lot of times for us to forgive others, the reason why it is so hard sometimes for us to forgive ourselves is because we haven't truly, fully received forgiveness in our life. So if you don't understand this ultimate level of forgiveness, then you're never going to enjoy fully the freedom that forgiveness offers to us. You're never going to really have a grasp on that, and you will never be able to fully forgive yourself and to forgive other people. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these walls that get built up in our lives that keep us from offering and receiving forgiveness. And as we go through this, hopefully you will begin to see these walls kind of go down begin to fall down in your life, and you will experience what it is like to live in the freedom of forgiveness. Because that's the only way to live, is to do that. Today, I want us to explore this ultimate level of forgiveness. Jesus tells us a story in, in the Bible. It's a story of the lost son. It's kind of a parody of it, the video that you saw just a, just a moment ago. You might have heard it called the prodigal son before. Let's look at this. This is in Luke chapter 15, and we'll start reading at verse 11. It says, A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. Yeah, that's pretty strong, isn't it? That's pretty harsh right there. But the father agreed to divide his wealth between the two sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. Now, this younger son, he went off to live a lavish lifestyle, how he had wanted to live and what he thought was freedom. And we'll pick up his story in just a few minutes of where, where we find him and where this leads him. But before we get into that, I want to give you today's lesson in a nutshell from a theological point of view. Okay, the prodigal son is a, what someone has called a divine drama. Okay, this, that, that, that's what it is. What it does is it illustrates all of humanity's decision to turn their back on God, to go and live life their own way, which is in sin, and ultimately it shows where all of that leads us. Now, what is best for us is illustrated in this story with the word home. That is what is best for us. That is where the sun should have been. That is where we should be. And this, this story illustrates our need to find forgiveness and to receive forgiveness because we have sinned against God. 
Now, later on in the story, this son, this young kid, he makes a decision to return home, and his way back to his father is very clear. It is very clear-cut for him. It is the same way with us. When we make a decision to return to God, God lays out very clearly how we are to do this. The path of returning to God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at this parable today, just realize I want you to think and, you know, really evaluate yourself, evaluate your life, and maybe there is a pretty good chance that you are the prodigal son, that you are the prodigal daughter who needs to return home to the loving father. God wants to restore his connection with you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to wipe your slate clean even though you've turned your back on him. He still wants to help you. So would you consider, as we go through this, that maybe you have exchanged something best in your life for something that is actually less? And we'll get into that. So I hope, I hope you'll keep your mind open as we explore this and look at this today. You and I can be forgiven. Just know that. We can return home. We can start new. We can have a fresh start. And so with that in mind, let's look at how do we receive forgiveness. The first thing we need to do is recognize that I need God. Recognize that I need God. Now, chances are everybody, every one of us in this room, we have heard the term prodigal son before. we've, We've heard that. We're kind of familiar with that. Here's a question for you. What does it mean to be prodigal? What does that mean? Now, some people might say that a prodigal is someone who runs away from home. They might say a prodigal is someone who turns their back on their family or someone who turns their back on God or someone who wastes their life on a lavish lifestyle. Now, if you say that, all of those definitions are partially correct. Okay, there's a little bit of truth in each of those, but I want to give you the formal and full definition of what a prodigal is. And this is on your listening guide. There it is right there. A prodigal is someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life. A prodigal is someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life. In other words, it is saying no to the best, and it is saying yes to the less. And a lot of times we do that right there. The prodigal in the story, he heads off away from home. He's running away. He has all his belongings packed. He parties. He lives it up. He has a good time. I mean, the Bible doesn't gloss over that. He was having a good time. I mean, he was living it up. Then he ran out of money. You ever been there before? You ever been in a position like that? You run out of money, and then to make matters worse, in the story in the Bible, a famine sets into the land. And the Bible tells us this kid, he begins to starve. And he looks around, he sees a help-wanted sign at a, at a hog farm, and so he goes in and he gets a job working with the pigs in the pig pen. Now, being in Iowa, we know a little bit about hog farming. We know it's not a glamorous job. We know it's not for the faint of heart, that it's a lot of hard work, and you know, it's not for those who don't like to get dirty. 
because you're going to get dirty. But the prodigal son, he gets a job feeding pigs, which is taboo back then because the pigs were unclean animals. You weren't supposed to have any, anything to do with them if you were a good Jew back in that time. But the Bible literally says this. It says the boy became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Have you ever been that hungry? Have you ever been walking down the street and you walk by a trash can and you glance in the trash can and you see a half-eaten Big Mac sitting there in the top of the garbage can and you say, jackpot, lunchtime for me. You ever done that? That's what this kid, that's what this kid was doing. He was so hungry, the slop that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. He, he was thinking, these pigs are eating better than me. And in verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired men have enough food to spare, and here I am, the son of the man who I left, dying of hunger. So what did he do? Well, he began to realize that he was experiencing a lesser life than he could be experiencing. And so he recognized that he had settled for something less and turned his back on something that was best. So what does this mean for us? When you're listening, guy, in that verse that we just read right there, I want you to find the words, came to his senses. I want you to circle those words right there. Because he woke up, he came to his senses, and he said, the hired men, the servants back home, have it better off than I do. I have left, I have settled for something less, and here he is, he's in this pigsty. Now just picture this in your mind. He's handing out slop to the pigs, he wakes up, he comes to his senses, and he finally realizes, man, I've got it bad. I am here in a bad way. Now, this pigsty in the story, it represents the illusion that sin offers to us. Because when we think about leaving God's best and pursuing something less at first, it seems exciting. I mean, it seems like an adventure. And it was that way with the prodigal son. At first, he enjoyed that lifestyle. He was having a good time. He had money to burn. He was living at large. But then he ran out. He found himself in the pigsty, literally in the trap of sin. He found himself in the willingness to settle for something less than God's best. Now, sometimes God allows us to find ourselves in a situation like that. Now, we have to hit rock bottom sometimes so that we will experience a wake-up call, so that we will come to our senses and realize that there is a life that is better than what we are experiencing. And so notice this here. He began to think about home. When he came to his senses, he began to think about home. He began to think about what he had lost by leaving his father, by turning his back on all of that. And for us, that means we've got to realize that we've turned our backs on God. We have gone our own way. We need to experience his forgiveness so that we can move forward and so that we can rediscover the life that he has for us. 
So the first step in finding forgiveness is to recognize our need for God. Because we've turned our back on God, we've given all that up, we've gone our own way, and when we have done that, the only proper place to look back to is God. Now you might say, well, my life, you know, it's all right right now. I'm not exactly living in a pig pen. Well, that might be true. You might say, well, I'm not, you know, really starving to death. Things are going pretty well, so, you know, how do I relate to this son? Well, maybe you aren't starving to death yet, but I bet you do sense an emptiness in your life of being separated from God. Maybe you don't know what it is, but it's there. You're trying to fill it up with other things. It's the spiritual hunger that you have in your life that is there from being disconnected from God. And my guess is, if you're honest, when you're alone and everything's quiet, you begin to think, man, there's something more. There's got to be something more than what I am experiencing right now. So 2,000 years ago, God took the ultimate step of sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live, to die on the cross, and to raise up again so that he could show us, I have done everything that needs to be done for you to return home. And that's what the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14. Let's look at this. Talking about Jesus, it says the Word. That means Jesus became human and lived here on earth. Now, what does that mean? Well, the first part of one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. So when you wake up and realize that you need God, you can then realize that God has done everything that is necessary. It's already been done for you to come home and to experience a better life. So that's number one. Then the second thing we need to do after we recognize we need God is we have to return home to God. We have to come home to God. The first step in finding forgiveness is recognizing our need for God, but it doesn't stop there. Recognition is not enough. We've got to take action. We have to actually return home to God. And that's step number two here. Now, in our story, the, the father, he doesn't force the son to stay. He doesn't, he doesn't make him stay, even though he knows it's a bad idea for him to be leaving home. And when the son gets in trouble in a foreign land, the father doesn't go and bail him out and chasing after him and forcing him to come home. The decision to return home is the son's decision. And it is only his decision. The father cannot make it for him. You see, God loves us way too much to take away our freedom. Okay, just as we have the freedom to turn our back on God and to go our own way, we also have the freedom to choose to return back to God, to come back home to Him. It's our choice. And this is a choice that God can't make for us. It's one that we have to make. So in our story, here's this kid. He's eating food with the pigs, and he makes his decision. He says, I'm going to go home, I'm going to approach my dad, and I'm going to say, Dad, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
So please at least just take me on as a hired hand. And so he returned home to his dad. Now, notice what the son's first step is. His first step towards home is to admit that he had sinned. He had to admit that he had sinned against his dad and against heaven, and his son realized he can return home. That he can return home, but before he does, he had to recognize it was wrong for him to leave in the first place. And he had to ask for forgiveness. You know, our lives, our stories, our own personal stories, that's all a spiritual journey. And in our story and in our lives, our home is in a relationship with God. We were created to have this communion with God. That's where we should be. We should have this connection with Him. And just as the Son turned His back on the Father and He left home, we decide to turn our back on God and to go our own way through sin. Now remember, sin is this. God says, this is the best way. This is how I want you to live. I want you to be over here. And sin is when we say, "Uh uh-uh, God, I'm going to be over here. I'm going to do things on my own. I'm going to live life my own way. Okay, you can go do things. You know, just leave me alone. Okay, I want to do things my own way. That's called sin. That's called sin, and that severs and separates us from God. It hinders our relationship with Him. So the only solution for that separation is for us to return back to God, for us to look to Him, to look at our lives, and to say, you know, the way I'm living right now is stupid. This is stupid. It's stupid for me to be living this way apart from God. I know I should be living where God wants me to, the plan that He has for me, because He's got something much better in store for me. So all we have to do is admit that we've turned our backs on God. And then to come back to him and ask him for forgiveness. Now, that's just one step. Okay, we only have to take one step back to God. The problem is, you know, we think that God's going to make it hard, that he's going to make it difficult that there's, you know, all these things that we have to do. There's all, you know, all these steps, all these things that we need to do, all these things that we have to have in place. But here's the truth to all of this. The journey back to God, it's not long. It may be a little hard depending on your pride issues, but it's only one step. It is only one step. Sometimes we think we have to be perfect in order to come back to God. But you don't have to get rid of all the sin in your life before you come back to Him. You don't have to have a handle on all of your addictions before you come back to God. You don't have to have some supernatural revelation before you can come back to God. And get this, you don't even have to sense a whole bunch of warm fuzzies inside yourself before you come back to God. You just come back to Him. You ask Him for forgiveness, and then you go back. And if you take that one step back towards God, the Bible tells us God will cover the rest of the distance. We just have to start the motion back towards Him. Now, at the time of Jesus' death, the Jews, they worshiped God in the temple. And at the very center of the temple 
there was this place called the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is where the Jews, they, they believed that God dwelled in this area the most intensely. And this Holy of Holies was separated by this huge curtain. It was extremely thick, an extremely big curtain. No one could go into the Holy of Holies except for one priest, and he only went in there one time a year, and before he went in there, he had to go through all these you know, purification rituals. He had to get everything done and everything right before he could even go to enter in there. So this curtain served as a literal separation between God and his people. It separated us from God. When Jesus died on the cross, I want you to look at what happened. This is in Mark chapter 15, verse 37. We'll start there. It says, when Jesus was on the cross, says, Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So that separation between God and man was actually right there. It was torn in two when Jesus died on the cross. And it tells us it was torn from top to bottom, almost like God grabbed it and said, no more. The separation will no longer be there. Everyone now can have access to God. It's just not one priest one time a year. Everybody can have access to him. No matter how far you've traveled from God, no matter what you've got going on in your life, no matter where you have been, it is never too late to come home to God. You are able to return to him. God never stops reaching out to you. He wants you to come home. You may feel like you're in a pit. There is no pit that is too deep for God's love to reach. It is never too late to return to God. You just have to take that step of asking for forgiveness. And then after we ask, number three, we need to receive God's forgiveness through Jesus. Where you receive his forgiveness through Jesus. Jesus Christ, he is the clear path for us to take back to God. And when we receive God's forgiveness through his son, guess what happens? God treats us like a son. He treats us like a daughter. Now, the son returns home, and the Bible says this in Luke 15, 20. It says, And while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and gave him a big lecture and condemned him. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that there. What does it say? It says he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Welcome back. Welcome home. I want you to understand something. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey right now, when you make a decision to return back to God, you should know this. God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. Like the father in our story, God runs back to us to welcome us back. You say, well, I've turned my back on God. That's true. He's not mad at you. You may say, well, I've done all these, to these terrible things that are bad. I mean, you, won't, you would not know this laundry list that I have with me. That may be true. God is not mad at you. 
God is loving. He is a loving Father who operates towards us with grace and with love, and He's willing to offer that forgiveness to us. Now, the Son admits that He did wrong. The Father receives Him back. He receives Him back. It's the same way with us and God. But I want you to see what else the loving Father did. He did more than just say, welcome back home. Let's look at what He did. We'll start at verse 22. It says, The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the, the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, kill the fatted calf we have been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Now, this is extremely important here, this stuff right here. Because first of all, the father gives the son the finest robe. The robe was a symbol of honor back in those days. It was saying, welcome home. You you are now home. He says, kill the the fatted calf. Kill kill the one we've been keeping there. Now, that's huge right there because that's a sign of something important. Because in those days, you would save the fattest calf for a very important celebration. You wouldn't use it just for anything. And so the father uses it as a huge celebration in welcoming his son home. And then I want you to to notice something else in here, and this is something that we just kind of gloss over as we read through this. He gives him shoes. He gives his son shoes, or as it says in there, sandals. Now, that doesn't say much to us today in, you know, modern America because we all have shoes and, you know, I live with three different girls in my house and so we have like 600 shoes sitting out in one corner of the room. I don't know how they wear them all, but they do. And so, you know, in America, we have shoes. We've got shoes. But back in those days, if you were a slave, you did not wear shoes. You had no shoes. And so he is saying to his son, You are not returning home as a slave. You're returning home as my son. And he gives him shoes. Then he gives him a ring. The ring's a symbol of a heritage between the father and son. He's saying this hasn't been broken. In our day, you might call it something like a power of attorney attorney or something like that. But he's returning with all the privileges, all the benefits of being a son. Even though he left for something less, the father welcomes him back with all the rights and all the privileges. Now, when you think about it, it is amazing because that is exactly how God treats us. God says when you recognize your need for him, when we come to that realization, when we return home, when we receive his forgiveness through Jesus, he gives you all of the benefits of a son or a daughter, depending on who you are. But it's as if you have not lost anything. You still have it all. Now, how do we get these gifts? How do we receive these things? The Father gives them to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus was on the cross... He paid everything that needed to be paid for us to receive these gifts. So I just want to say, 
if you've received these gifts, if you've received forgiveness, live like it. Because if you're not living like it, if you're still out doing your own thing, you still need to come home. You still need to come back. So are you ready to make that decision today to receive God's forgiveness? Like the son in our story, you know, you got to decide to return home. God wipes your, your slate clean. He invites you back home. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you all of the gifts, and he does it through the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross so all this can be possible. There is nothing else out there that can take away the sin and the dirtiness in your life. There's nothing else out there other than the blood of Jesus. So that's the power of ultimate forgiveness right there. So if you grab your PR sheet, look at the back of your PR sheet under section My Next Step. Memory verse for the week is Romans chapter 6, verse 4. If you want to memorize a verse, that's the one that we're suggesting to, to you this week. But answer this question. I have been straying from home. I have been straying from home. That's a simple yes or no question. There's no in-between. There's no maybe. There's no, well, Wednesday, you know, maybe. You got to come home. You got to come all of the way home. You've got to return. And then ask yourself, what am I going to do today as a result of this lesson? What is it I'm going to do? And there's some other questions on there for you to look at, but, you know, be thinking about that. Use those to apply what we've talked about today to your life, because there's nothing like forgiveness there's nothing like living within the freedom of forgiveness. So if you're not doing that, I encourage you to do it. Accept it. Come back home. Take advantage of this gift that God wants to offer to you. Now, in just a moment, we'll have a time of communion. This is open to anybody who's got Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. Now, this is we do it every week in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus made that gives us this forgiveness that we've been talking about today. He paid the ultimate price so that we can have the ultimate forgiveness. So it's available to you to take in remembrance of him. If you don't want to take it, then don't feel obligated to do that. And then afterwards, we will take up an offering as we pass the little blue offering bags by and just ask you to fold up your PR sheet and throw it in that and it's also offering time for our partners and our regular attenders here at Freedom Ridge, and it's how we support the mission and the vision of the church here. So 